Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for First St. Charles United Methodist Church in downtown St. Charles, Missouri. We are so glad that you're here, and it's our prayer that you feel safe, welcome, and wanted in this space. If you're interested in finding out more about us or supporting our ministries, you can connect with us online at firststcharlesumc.org. Today's scripture comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12, and the first book of Peter, chapter 3. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. It is for this that you were called, that you might inherit a blessing. Let us turn our faces to the Lord God and be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. In his great mercy, God has given us living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They say that the pattern on a dog's nose remains invariant through the passage of time. And the pattern can be used to identify each dog. I have an idea that with a number of our church members working in the defense industry, some of you have passed through secure areas using an eye scan. We all have DNA patterns that make us singularly special. And of course, there's the old school tool of detectives, our fingerprints. Take a look at yours. Can you see the swirling patterns made by the dermal ridges, the arch, which looks a bit like a cross-section of a hill, the loop, which is a teardrop-shaped part of your fingerprint, and the whirl, which is reminiscent of a whirlpool. This past Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, we began a series we're calling Fingerprints of Grace. As we unpack that which is unique about us, that which makes us who we are, that which we uniquely leave behind, and God's extravagant goodness in and through us all. This is the testimony of Scripture and faith, that we humans do bear God's imprint, the very image of God who created us, of Christ who saves us, and of the Spirit who continues shaping us after God's providential purpose in the world. Of all those ways that we might get at it, none is more basic than God's blessing in our lives. Indeed, in contradiction to that notion that we inherit an original sinfulness, it might be said that we have all known an even more original blessing of God in our lives. Upon us all, as with creation, God has looked and pronounced the blessing that it is all good, that we are good. And a very fine way of reading Scripture is to see the whole of it as the story of God's blessing, the blessing of us all. To Abraham and Sarah, God promised I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, 
and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It was a blessing that their son Isaac would inherit and that in turn, Isaac's son Jacob would receive. It's a blessing that said, you belong. You belong. That's what blessings do. They say that we belong to God. Can you point to those persons from whom you have known blessing? What has it meant to be blessed? And when you say, if you say, God has blessed you, what do you mean by it? Have you known times without blessing? In what is, has to be one of the most painful moments recorded by Scripture, Esau says to his and Jacob's father, Isaac, have you only one blessing, Father? Bless me, me also, Father. Have you been the one who received your parents' blessing? Did you receive blessing from one parent, but maybe not the other? Though our blessing by God is original, the need for the belonging of blessing becomes a driving force for us all. Don't we all want and need to know that we are blessed and belong? Some will say that blessing can be had by doing the right things. The 20th century's prosperity gospel is a direct descendant of that part of Scripture that would tie the reception of blessing to what we do. Most of all, the book of Proverbs, for instance, can be said to set forth this perspective. Do this, not that, and God will bless you. You will be healthy and wealthy and wise. Here's your roadmap. Get to it. And all will be well. And it works. It does. Until it doesn't. Do you know what it is to do everything right? To think the right things? To follow to a T the best advice? And do good? Only to feel the sting of God's absence. A paucity of God's providence. No event impressed an absence of God upon the people of God more than their exile into Babylon. Is Job the testimony of Judah whose suffering had taught them that blessing couldn't be had by doing everything right? Could you offer your own testimony too of times when you did everything right, played by all the rules, made good choices, only to see things go south. That's a pejorative phrase, by the way, that those in the Bible Belt may not appreciate. Here in Missouri, we know that life can go either way. And so we insist that people show me it was an Old Testament scholar by the name of Klaus Westermann 
who has shown me that the Bible offers two contrasting and at times competing or is it complementary perspectives one points to God's mighty acts of salvation as we put it in our Lord's Supper liturgy God acts decisively and mightily the exile the great miracles of deliverance of healing of the multiplication of fishes and loaves and water turned to wine none of these holds a candle to that mighty act of Easter of the resurrection of Christ from the dead in big and bold ways God works theology has tended to emphasize this form of salvation I also happen to think that male dominance in theological circles also has something to do with this too at the same time perhaps more subtly God works it's that work that Vesterman says we know in the form of salvation as blessing salvation as deliverance salvation as blessing salvation as blessing is what Reinhold Niebuhr calls the impartial goodness of God beyond morality most often we know God's blessing in the small everyday often unnoticed things that connect us to the all things of God Barbara Ann Kipfer is a lexicographer with a PhD in linguistics she does research into the study of dictionaries among her many gifts is a book that is nothing more than a list of 14,000 things that make us happy 612 pages worth the book began over 40 years ago when she was in the sixth grade those of you in the sixth grade take note Miss Kipfer started her list in a tiny spiral notebook which became a larger notebook which became an even larger notebook which became many notebooks which have become today a personal computer which has over a million bytes of word pictures it's a gold mine of happy associations things like Ticonderoga penciling seeing the moon rise sweet fresh corn the snuggle right in feeling the position of your head as you bite into a taco Labradors that think they're lap dogs swing sets eating Oreo cookies and then looking at your teeth tree houses romantic music noodle Texas Sesame Street collapsing in bed and cuddling silly putty to that long list can you add your own you may find some blessings associated with smell my favorite Sunday smell comes in the Catherine Collier room right after the box of donuts is opened 
The smell is exquisite. Some of you might counter by saying, no, it's the coffee. Can you name some of those things that fill your senses and leave you feeling blessed? There's something wonderful about the phrase, to be happy about. You can fake being thankful, but you really can't fake being happy. If you were, to ask, if you were asked to write a list of things you were thankful for, the feeling of duty or oughtness might creep in. But happiness is an expression of blessing. And it either is or isn't. And when it is, it's good. Jesus came to speak this goodness in our lives. By it, tell us that we belong. If his longest sermon is any indication, he came for the singular purpose of pronouncing the blessing of God's providence into our lives. Jesus came to pronounce the blessing of God's providence into our lives. It is His benediction that He gives us, His blessing that He leaves us. Only, it's a far cry from something simple. Our text today comes from Romans and 1 Peter. When both Peter and Paul pretty much are saying the same thing, you got to know that we might be getting to the heart of Jesus' heart as we hear. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse. But on the contrary, repay with blessing it is for this that you were called. It's one thing, isn't it? To leave a blessing behind for those who are kind. But how do we do this for those who are not? For those who are mean and mean to do us harm? How do we turn the other cheek, go the second mile, and take up the cross? How do we do this for those with whom we disagree? Or those we don't even like? Here's the rub. Did Jesus say it would be easy? I've shared with you before from Nadia Boltz Weber, the tattoo-covered former comedian turned Lutheran pastor with a propensity for profanity. On the surface... I think it'd be fair to say she and I couldn't look any more dissimilar. And yet, I'd like to believe we're in the same business, the business of blessing. She once offered a blessing to Abby Wambach. You may remember Abby, who is the American soccer player, coach, and six-time winner of the U.S. Soccer Athlete of the Year Award. She currently stands as the highest all-time goal scorer for the national team and is second in international goals for both female and male soccer players with 100 
and 84 goals in a period of darkness when Abby's life was falling apart, when she may have sensed little of the providence of God, Nadia Boltz Weber offered this blessing for Abby Wambach and other young queers hurt by the church. It's even more a blessing for us all. Abby, she wrote, you said that when you got hurt, your body let you down and you felt mortal for the first time. I get that mortal refers to being subject to death, but there's another definition I really love, which is belonging to this world. So for you, Abby, I offer a blessing of that belonging. I bless the young queer girl who felt she did not belong in the pews of a church that told her she was an abomination. Because the real abomination is an imaginary hell created by anxious men unconvinced of their own belonging. But you, you belong here. I bless the athlete who did superhuman things on the field, who collected more goals and trophies and titles and wins than anyone else. When you tried to buy your belonging with excellence, that deep loneliness you felt was proof that you really are so much like the rest of us. And you, you belong here. I bless your divorce, which is no more a curse than marriage is a reward. I bless the pain that you tried to medicate away. I bless you for holding so tight to what you thought made you lovable. I bless that moment in jail when you sobered up enough to realize that no, the breathalyzer wasn't broken. And you were just a very drunk, very dangerous woman. Which means, even when it stinks, you still belong here. So I offer you a blessing of belonging, Abby. May you luxuriate in your ordinary humanity. I'm so glad that you are here with us in it. So may you wake up each morning, stretch your mortal body, and hear love whisper, you belong. This, this is what we are to pass along.